you would, turn to the Bible to Job chapter 19. I gave you some time because that's hard to find. Job is the book right before the book of Psalms, so you could find that. And chapter 19 is right in the middle of a big, long book of Job. Job chapter 19. It's spelled J-O-B, so it looks like Job. True story, when I was in seminary, and most people are in seminary there to go into ministry, so they should be reading their Bibles. I was playing in a ping pong tournament in seminary, and a guy I was playing against, his name was Job, and when we registered, the guy said, well, how do you spell Job? At seminary, the guy asked that. And this guy laughed so hard, he said, man, they've been asking me that my whole life, but surely here at seminary, y'all know how to spell Job. We're in Job this morning, Job chapter 19. Hey, it's a little hectic on us when the final four and Easter fall on the same weekend, isn't it? Man, what a game last night. I was supposed to be asleep, getting rested for Easter Sunday, but Gonzaga and UCLA was too good. But nevertheless, we're glad to be here this morning. Jesus is alive. It is the truth that has shaken the entire world. It is the truth that shapes all the world today and all of eternity. What you or I do with the truth that Jesus is alive makes all the difference in whether we are alive or not spiritually. That's honestly the truth. As our church, we have been studying the book of Job now for several weeks. At our church, we, we choose a book and then we walk through it and sometimes that takes a long time and that's what we're doing through Job. We are just in the first couple of chapters and last week we took a break from Job so that we could study Palm Sunday. But this week, we're back in Job but not at the place where we're supposed to be. We jumped over to chapter 19 because at chapter 19 we get this unreal statement from Job that's just outstanding where he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. There was a song that came out several years ago that had that very chorus, I know that my Redeemer lives. And that's an outstanding truth. And it comes right out of Job chapter 19, verse 25. And that's true for anybody in any situation. I know that my Redeemer lives. Right here today on April the 4th of 2021 in Fairdale, Kentucky, I know that my Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, lives. He died on the cross for us and he emptied the grave. He overcame sin and death and he is alive. We believe that. But Job being able to say that a long time ago, Job was one of the oldest people, goes way back, it's one of the first books written in the Bible, for Job to say that is just outstanding. One commentator says the entire book rises to an amazing climax here at chapter 19. A climax centering on this mysterious, thrilling word, Redeemer. Where did Job get this word, he asks, and what did it mean to him? That's what we're going to look at today. Job speaks of his Redeemer. I want to ask you from the outset, do you speak of your Redeemer? Do you know your Redeemer? Better yet, have you been redeemed? Are you redeemed? Do you need to be redeemed? Do you know your Redeemer? These days where I'm at in life, I get a lot of questions from kids. I'm right smack in the middle of spending a lot of time with kids. 
We just finished the winter where I coached three different basketball teams through the winter. And now we just started up a t-ball season and a soccer season. That's what we're doing right now. We're with kids every single night. And boy, kids ask some questions. Already this morning, I had a kid ask me if this is my house and this is where I live. It's not. (laughs) This isn't it. But kids ask a lot of questions. And it's fun to have kids ask questions until they get to about the 100th question and you just tell them to stop. But what I've learned with kids asking questions is that I don't have as many answers as I would like to. I don't know everything. And I better not claim to. And you don't know everything and you better not claim to. And we would all be a lot better if we'd stop arguing about things that we're not so sure about and focus on that which we are sure about. I know that God wants me to be a faithful citizen in this town. God wants me to love and live, care for my neighbor. God wants me to be with my wife and faithful to her. He wants me to prioritize her. He wants me to be a present dad in the life of my children. I know that God wants us to be honest in every single one of our endeavors whether it's here at the post office or at the gas station or whether I'm filing my taxes or whether I'm having a conversation with you or talking to my neighbor over the fence in the backyard. God wants me to be honest. We could go on and on on those sort of things that we know, and that's really not that hard, is it? We know that for sure. But boy, we could get really deep today in a conversation where we don't even really know. And I want today's today's sermon from Job chapter 19 to get you and I focused on that which we do know. And I wanna ask you to believe it. Read with me, if you will, at Job chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. These are the words of Job. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Job is such a story. If you don't know the story of Job, Job is the best example in the history of the world of everything going bad. Job is the example of suffering in the world. If he's known for anything, he is known for all his suffering. Job is introduced to us in chapter one as a very successful man. He's described as the most righteous man on the earth. He is happy. He loves his kids. His kids are happy. He had 10 children, seven boys and three girls. He was successful. Way back then, they didn't measure wealth with how much money you had. They measured wealth with how much stuff you had. He had all sorts of livestock. Job had a lot of stuff. Job was a good man by all accounts, blameless on the earth. People thought well of him. And one day out of nowhere, really, Satan starts having a conversation with God and God recommends to Satan to go after Job because God likes to flex sometimes, if you know what that means, show off. God likes to flex or show off sometimes and show that Satan cannot stop God from doing anything that God is doing. You need to remember that. You need to know that. 
God allows Satan to do some things, but God does not allow Satan to do anything that God is not allowing him to do. God is the one in charge, and Satan is on a leash. Satan is not equal to God, and God is the one in power. And God allows Satan to go after Job. God recommends Satan to go after Job because God is going to flex and show that he will keep Job loving God. He will make sure that his love for Job will keep Job clinging to God, and it does. And Satan goes to work on Job. He kills all of his livestock, thousands and thousands and thousands. He kills all 10 of Job's children. He kills all 10 of them. And then God is just shows off because Job, Job continues to trust and believe in God Almighty, his Father in heaven. Well, Satan comes back more cynical than he was even the first time and uh, makes excuses and says, well, you didn't let me touch Job. If you'll let me touch Job, he will really curse you. God says, go ahead and do whatever you want to him. You just can't kill him. Satan says, you let me do anything I want to him, even not even kill him, he'll curse you. So Satan goes. And he makes Job as sick as sick can be. He covers him from head to toe with boils. He hates his life. He hates his skin. That's why even here in this passage, you hear a mention of skin. I'm still talking about chapters one and two, but you just heard him mention his skin here. He covers his body in boils. The Bible says that Job would take pottery and break it in half, sharp as glass, and would scrape his skin and scrape those boils off because he was so miserable. God let Satan do that to Job so that God could show off that Job would would keep trusting in God because God is the God of salvation. If there's anybody in the room today that loves God and holds tightly to him, it is because God is holding tightly to them. And God was showing us this in the first two chapters. After chapter two, Satan is never mentioned again in the book of Job. He's not mentioned in the beginning, past chapter two. He's not mentioned in the middle. He's not mentioned in the final five chapters where God comes back and starts to speak. Satan is no longer a character in the book of Job. You know what fills chapter three to chapter 37, 35 chapters in the book of Job? Job and his friends trying to figure out why. And now you see why. I opened the sermon the way I did with all the things we talk about that we don't know. For 35 chapters, Job and his friends go round and round, back and forth on all of their opinions on why this is happening. Most of the time, they're missing it. Most of the time, they're wrong. Most of the time, they're misleading. Most of the time, they are way off. Every once in a while, they start to get on track, and Job says, well, it's not because I've sinned, because I, 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 know, I, I don't think I've sinned in this way. When I do sin, I repent, and I, I go and I cry out to God for forgiveness. I don't think it's that. I don't think there's a missing sin in my life where this is happening. And his friends try to come back with all of these different things, and, and, and it's really just scene after scene after scene from chapter three to chapter 37 of all of this discussion, and they can't ever figure it out. What happens in the end is God speaks up, doesn't give Job any real answers, but he assures Job that he is God and he can be trusted. He assures Job that he hasn't gotten it wrong, that he's in charge, that he has all the authority, that he is the all-powerful one, and that he can be trusted. And Job, upon hearing God not give him answers, but show that he's God, Job is comforted. Job is put at ease. 
Job finds peace and rest on the inside in his soul, not because there's an answer, but because God is God and he can believe him. Because faith and trust and hope are real factors of how we live this life. I wanna give you two points here this morning. Number one, there is a lot that we do not know. There is a lot that you and I don't know, and we need to accept this. I know that every once in a while, you get somebody in your family that's a know-it-all, right? You know any of those people, they have an answer for everything, they always gotta say something, they've got something to say, they've always got their opinion. You got some people in your life that you don't bring it up because if you bring it up, you know you're about to get an earful from them. There's some people out there that have some answers. They always know how to do it better and bigger and and more correct. They can't believe you would do it that way. How did you not know to do better than that, right? There's some know-it-alls out there. I want to encourage us today to not be a know-it-all. I want to encourage us today to admit that there are some things we don't know. And let's learn a beautiful life lesson that if we don't know, then let's not act like we know. If we don't know, let's let's not get all caught up on that which we aren't so sure about. It's okay to be quick to hear and slow to speak, all right? It's okay to be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now, if you're an expert, if you've read up on it, you've been there, done that, you got a firsthand account, then we need your opinion, please tell us. If you were an eyewitness, please tell us, we need to know. You let us know firsthand experience, right? There's a lot that we do not know. In James chapter four, James picks up on the idea, we preached through James not too long ago. James picks up on the idea who think they got their whole lives planned out, right? People who think they got their whole lives planned out. And he says, hey, you people that say this is what you're gonna do in 2021, this is what you're doing this summer, and you're gonna go to this place, you're gonna go to that place, you're gonna spend money on this, you're gonna spend money on that. He says, James says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. He asks the question, what is your life? Was there ever a better passage for us, say about the end of February 2020, as we all had big plans of things we were gonna do in 2020? We thought our kids were gonna go to school in 2020. James reminds us, not so fast. You don't know everything. There's a lot that you don't know. He says in James 4.14, you do not know. What is your life, he asks. Or what about the passage in Matthew 6 and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, one that I know that you're familiar with, where Jesus is talking about how worrisome and anxious each day is. And Jesus tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. We're not sure if we'll have tomorrow. If we're worried about how we're gonna finish 2021, we need to be reminded we may not get to the end of 2021. If we're worried about how we're gonna spend next Sunday, we need to be reminded we may not get through this Sunday. There's a lot that we do not know. And the Bible wants us to understand that. That's exactly the case here with Job. The whole book of Job is filled 
with content that Job doesn't know what's going on. The big one is he doesn't know what God's doing. He believes in God. He is faithful to God. God describes Job as the most faithful person to God that there was. Ezekiel says that Job is in the top three of the best examples of God's children and believers. Job is known as a believer in God, and yet Job doesn't know what God's doing. Typically, you go to somebody that you think is a fine Christian or a real Christian or a good Christian. That's a phrase we hear a lot, right? Or you go to those people and you think, hey, give me some insight. Tell me what you think. What's your opinion? Give me some advice. What should I do here? And Job is filled with the best Christian, if you will, if you want to use that term. And Job does not know what God is doing. He is at a loss of words at times and he is filled with more words at times because he doesn't know what God's doing. He doesn't know what he should do. He doesn't know what he should do. One of the beautiful things of the book of Job, and we're about to get there. If you've never heard much talk from church or from the Bible on suffering, and you may not be much of a church person, this may be the only time that you've planned to come to church. I wanna invite you to listen in, here in person or online, because we're about to get real deep in suffering. Why am I going through this? Why would God let me go through this? I'll give you a hint. We're gonna try to teach ourselves to stop asking why and start asking what. Not why is God doing this or why am I going through it, but what is God showing me? What is God teaching me? Job is filled with suffering. Job is suffering in the worst way, and yet through his suffering, he does not give up. He holds on tightly, even though he's miserable, even though he hates it. And there's so many things that he does not know. He doesn't know what God's doing. He doesn't know what he should do. But here's a big one. Job doesn't know that Satan's involved. This is a gigantic mystery. To read the book of Job, chapters one and two are all about God and Satan talking together and trying to figure it out or God and Satan talking together and, and God allowing Satan to do things and Job trying to figure it out. But he doesn't know that all the evil that's coming upon him, that there is an evil power, Satan, a, a, a spiritual evil trying to get him. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know of Satan. You and I know of Satan. We know that there's days where the devil's trying to get us and he's attacking us and spiritual warfare is a real thing and we know that there's hardship in the world. There are times when we feel like, man, things are working against us. We know to trust in the good father in heaven and we know to trust in the sovereign providence of God, but we also know that Satan works. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy us. He's a lion that's trying to devour our lives. Satan, I mean, Job does not know this. Once you understand that, Job never, ever knows that Satan is a real thing. He never gives mention of it. He is not short on words in the book of Job. He talks for 35 straight chapters, and yet he doesn't know of Satan. Can you imagine? You and I understand Job in such a good way, and it strengthens us in the sovereign father that we have in God who loves us and will take care of us and is able to keep us because we saw the way he was treating the devil. The devil had no power, no influence over God. He came to God. He bowed down to God. He surrendered to God. And he could only do what God would let him do. God has crushed Satan, defeated Satan. He has him on a chain. And the Bible says in the end, God will throw Satan into the lake of fire forever in hell and it will be done. We'll never have to deal with Satan again. 
We know all of that. Job doesn't. He's out here trying to live his life, holding on to the rope of faith the best he can. The book of Job in Job 19 shows us there's a lot that we don't know. Hey, the TV shows, and I think it was the sports shows that were the first ones to do this. They've kind of figured out that we love opinions, haven't they? News shows now, and especially all the sports shows, Fox Sports, ESPN, all of them now are just a couple dudes sitting up there arguing back and forth on what their opinion is. And it kind of draws you in. You can't wait to hear what they think, right? I can't wait to hear what they're gonna say about that ball game last night. I can't wait to hear what they say about Roy Williams retiring and us Carolina fans trying to figure things out, right? We get bought into, we wanna hear everybody's opinion on things. I wanna encourage you to settle down on that. Don't eat that up. Be okay with saying, there's a lot that I don't know. Identify with Job in your suffering. I don't have all the answers. I wish I did, but I'll be okay if I don't. There's a lot that I don't know. And while there is a lot that we don't know, that's my first point. My second and final point here today is there are some things that we do know. And you and I should absolutely commit ourselves to those. Shame on us if our time and energy is being spent on that that we're not sure of and we're neglecting that that we are sure of. Isn't it enough for you to wake up, go to work, love your neighbor, take care of your responsibilities, spend time with your family and then go to sleep tired? Is that not enough for you? Isn't it enough for you to recognize that every one of us have responsibilities in our lives and that's what we're supposed to be about? That's enough in and of itself. Those few responsibilities that I just named are heavy in and of themselves. That will wear you out. That will fill your schedule. Just being present in the proper people's lives that you should be present in is enough to keep you very busy. Be sure of that. Know that. Look with me at Job chapter 19. And let's see from Job's example what it is that we do know. At this point, remember I told you it's chapters 3 to 37. At this point, <clears throat> we're about 16 chapters in. We're about 16 chapters. I'm not sure whose water this is, but I really need a sip. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't know. We're about 16 chapters in. And by now, they've been back and forth. Job's been hurt by his friends. They are his friends. They're his friends that are talking to him through all those chapters. Job's been hurt by his friends a little bit. He's told them at this point that he's been hurt by them a little bit. They've been back and forth. They've tried to build him up, and then they realize that didn't work. So now they're trying to tear him down, and they realize that didn't work. And it's just all at a loss. We get to Job chapter 19, and Job is, in a sense giving up with trying to figure it out. He's surrendering, if you will. Now, he keeps going because that's what it means to struggle. That's what it means to wrestle. 
And I want you to know in Christianity as believers of the Bible, under the lordship of Christ and the fatherhood of God, in a relationship with God Almighty, listen to me, some of you all know, I know really well, and some of y'all I don't know. It is okay to wrestle. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to crawl or limp to heaven. It is. Albeit you get there. It is okay to say, there's so many things I don't know, but I got a hold of one thing I do know. My Redeemer lives. It's okay to wrestle and struggle. Job is the best example of that. And we get to verse 23, and look what he says. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, I wish I could take an iron pen and some lead and engrave it in the rock forever. Write it down, he says. I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. I want to show you where this is a little bit different from where the world would try to comfort you in your struggle because the world wants to accept struggle too. I understand that. Well, some of them. And the world wants to accept struggle too. And I want to teach you struggle from the word of God, from the truth of God. Notice here that Job does not say that at the last I'll be standing. Notice that Job does not say at the last I'm gonna be all right. I'm gonna come out stronger on the other side, right? Minor setback for a major comeback. And all the little positives that we think work as when you really look at people, you see people struggling to their demise over and over again. And everybody in this room knows somebody who has struggled their life all the way away. Job does not say that. Job does not say that he's gonna pick himself up and it's gonna be all right. You know what Job is sure of? And he will write it down on a piece of stone. I don't necessarily know if he means his tombstone here, but he does say he would engrave it in rock forever. The only time we really ever do that is on a tombstone. But look what he says. I know that my redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth. Job knows that God is God. God is true. God is real. There's only one God. He is a good God. He is in charge. He knows what he's doing. And that God is a saving God who loves people and has a way to bring us into right relationship with God. God is a covenant God. God wants to know us and be close to us. Job knows this. And so Job knows that whether he cruises into heaven with prosperity and happiness or whether he limps into heaven never having any answers, Job knows that at the very, very end, it will be God standing, reigning as God Almighty who can be believed. Job knows it. And how he knows it is not as important as knowing it. How he gets to knowing it is not as important as knowing it. He knows it. And all of the things that Job does not know, he knows that God reigns. He knows that God will stand in the end. And I want you to know here today, I don't know if it'll be 50 years from now or 50 days from now or 50 minutes from now. I don't. I hope you live to see 2071. That sounds pretty future, doesn't it? 2071. I don't know if you've got 50 years or 50 days or 50 minutes left, but I assure you as much as any human sinful person can assure you, you are gonna stand before God. You are. Do not think that you won't. You will stand before God. Job knows this. 
But notice how Job knows this God. He's not unnaturally scared. He's not lost. He's not confused about that. He's confused about a lot of things. There's a lot that he doesn't know. He's not confused. He knows this, that that God will stand in the end. But notice the word he uses here for his God. It's a unique word. It's his redeemer. Your life must be redeemed. Remember the question I asked at the beginning, reading from the commentator, Mike Mason, he says, climaxing, centering on this mysterious, thrilling word, redeemer, where did Job get this word and what did it mean to him? Job knows God to be a redeeming God. What needs to be redeemed? Something that's lost, something that's in bad shape, something that's fallen out, something that's not the way it's supposed to be. People, me or you, our sinful lives. Every one of us have fallen short. Every one of us have missed the mark. Every one of us is not fit for heaven. We need to be redeemed. And while that has a chance to beat you down, if you're not gonna believe in God, if you believe in God, it has a chance to set you free because God is a redeeming God. He will set your questioning, lost, confused heart free. He redeems. Now, at this point, Jesus had not come and died on the cross. That's what makes it so much better. Job is just believing that God, the one true God, is a redeeming God. And he has a redemption plan. And Job knows it. He doesn't necessarily know cross the way we do. But he knows that God the Father is a redeeming God with a redemption plan. And he is surrendered by faith alone to the Redeemer God. And one day he will stand before the Redeemer God. And it will be God's love and forgiveness that causes him to be accepted. You and I have a much better position. We don't look forward with questions, how's he gonna do it? We look back, standing on the shoulders of eyewitnesses who said Jesus Christ on the cross is the redemption of the world. We have a Bible that teaches us that God so loved the world that he gave his son. We have a Bible that says to us, God demonstrates his own love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We have a Revelation chapter five that says, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you what? Ransomed. Same idea as redemption. You ransomed people for God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You and I know that the redeemer God that Job is believing in redeems people through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why Job's statement, I know that my redeemer lives, is a beautiful passage for Easter Sunday. Jesus Christ is alive. The tomb is empty. Sin, death, and the devil have been dealt with. And when you get ready to meet him, may it be that you're believing in him. May you know that. Now, there's a lot that Job didn't know, and I've already said that. But Job obviously knew this. I know that my Redeemer lives. He goes on to say at verse 26, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Job was counting on, while there is a lot he does not know, he knows that he will stand before God in his messed up skin, sinful skin and flesh. 
and that that God would redeem him. Wow, what a statement. What faith Job gives us. See, we're at chapter 19, but let's not forget that the very first verse in the book of Job said that Job was blameless and upright, the most righteous man on the earth. And so when we get to chapter 19 and we hear him suffering through nasty skin, we see him suffering as everybody's abandoned him. We see him suffering now of a wife that's told him to curse God, of 10 children that are dead, and all of the prosperity he had built up his entire life had been stripped away from him. He literally has nothing. He's sitting outside of the city covered in boils, everybody's put off by him, and he's scraping it with glass pottery to try to relieve himself. It's that awful. And while it is as bad and low as it can get, he knows that God is a redeeming God. What faith? What faith? See, what we know from Job is that God was the most important thing to Job. And this is the idea that I want to end with. There's a lot that Job doesn't know. There's one thing Job does know. God is the most important thing to Job. It's obvious. Job has lots of stuff and success and money, and yet his focus is God. That's clear in the first two chapters. Job has family life, lots of family life. It says they had a party every day for his children. Assuming after work, I guess. But his focus was on God. Chapter one says that Job would go out and offer sacrifices, functioning as a priest for his family. Job had tragedy in his life, lots of it, and he was focused on God. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of God. Job had death in his life. He dealt with death. He attended funerals. He knew what cemeteries are like. He'd been in all the places that we've been where it's heavy on us, and yet he was focused on God. Job was involved with suffering, lots of suffering, and yet he was focused on God. Job had questions, lots of questions, deep, long, confusing, puzzling, hurtful questions about life and the seasons it'll put you through. And yet it was God that he was focused on. The thing about Job is that God was the most important thing to him. I want to ask you here today, on Easter Sunday of 2021, is God the most important thing to you? Is God the most important thing to you? If he's not, then what is? What is most important to you? And would you listen to a little church in Fairdale with a little preacher in Fairdale that would recommend to you, change today. Turn to Christ. Repent of your sins. Say, Jesus, help me change from all the things that have been more important. I ask you to forgive me of that and get me focused on you. God, I want today to be the day that you become the most important thing in the world to me because the Bible is teaching me you're supposed to be most important. And how wrong is it gonna be when you stand before him in your flesh and with your eyes and you see him and you realize at that moment you weren't that big of a deal to me, God. He's the biggest God. He's almighty. He's the only true God. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's making your heart beat right now. And if he wanted, he could make it stop. He kept you from dying from the coronavirus this year when hundreds of thousands have died from it. He is a good God to you and loves you and you're gonna meet him. And Job finds comfort in that. 
Job's not scared of it. Job's not running from it. He's not intimidated by it. He finds comfort in it. You know why he finds comfort in it? Because praise God, life wasn't comforting him anymore. And if you're here not comforted by life, God's the answer. And if you're here comforted by life, may God cause you to find it in him. Because Jesus is the answer. I want to urge you this morning to make God the most important thing in your life. I know that my Redeemer lives. I remember being a kid. It was time for me to start driving. My dad told me that if you're going to drive a car, you need to know how to change the oil in a car. This would have been kind of early 90s. So my dad parked the car over a ditch so I could get up underneath there, and he told me to take the oil filter off. Now, let me remind you, I'd never seen an oil filter before. I'd never done this before. I'd never been under a car before. And he just said, here, take this thing right here, wrap it around there, and take that oil filter off. So I did it. Within seconds, I was covered in oil because I was laying right underneath it. And dads are great at getting the point across when they teach you like that. But I'm thankful for a dad who's taught me, and I know that to be true now. I know that when you take an oil filter off of a car, you ought not to be right under it. You need to have a bucket there or a pan there, okay? I know that. And guess what, y'all? That's never, ever happened again to me. So I learned so well. I got a great teacher. But I remember a few years ago, we were out in the parking lot, and there was a young man here, and his car had completely burned up. And a bunch of us guys went out there and raised the hood, and it was out of oil, really a bad thing. And every man in the parking lot was like, boy, what is wrong with you? Didn't you know you got to keep this thing full of oil? You know, all of that sort of talk. He said the words, man, nobody ever told me that I was supposed to keep oil in my car. Now, I know right now some of y'all are shaking your head like, what? How did he not know that? And why did nobody ever tell him? He grew up without a mom or a dad. He's never known his dad in his life. Nobody ever told him how to change the oil. But I've never forgotten that story because it's a reminder to me. I'm supposed to teach my kids some things. It's a reminder to me that this church is supposed to teach you all in this community, in this world, some things. And I hope my kids know how to change the oil. But if they don't, that won't be the end of the world. If they don't know how to change their oil, it won't be the worst thing. Y'all will shake your head at them, or rather me, if they don't know how to change the oil in their car. I get that. And when that happens, somebody says, man, did nobody ever teach you that? But you know what I think about on a daily basis? Has anybody ever told you that your Redeemer is alive and that he died on the cross for your sins? And that when you stand before God in your flesh and see him face to face, there will be a risen savior who shed his blood out of the greatest love anybody's ever known for you. And I want you all to hear it right here today. Shame on me if my kids don't know that truth. And shame on us if this community does not know that. Shame on us 
If the idea ever comes about, did nobody ever tell you that your Redeemer lives? That he died on Good Friday and that he rose again on Sunday and that's the answer to the problems of the world and that's the answer to your life and that you're gonna meet him? May nobody ever say of anybody in my life and your life, didn't anybody ever tell you that? Because here's the thing. There's a lot that we don't know. But we do know this. By the grace of God, he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And he lives. He lives. He's alive. And this day is about us remembering that and committing to it. May you believe that the risen, redeeming God is the most important thing in your life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Easter Sunday. Thank you for every Sunday. And thank you for Job's humble, broken faith that he knows his Redeemer lives. God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that you would be the most important thing. And God, give us strength to make changes, admit we're wrong, turn from our sins, apologize, change, so that you would be the most important. Help us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we sing this final song, let's respond. If God is not the most important thing in the world to you, would you commit to it now? Some of y'all may not wanna go public with it. You're gonna leave it right there, and you can decide in your heart. Do not leave here today without God being the most important thing to you. If you're here today and you wanna go public with it, you wanna become a Christian on Easter of 2021, you can walk up here and tell me that you want God to be the most important thing, and you're gonna ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. As we sing this final song today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, let's believe in our Redeemer. Let's sing.